You know, although this show is about animals, when I hear that music, I feel like a tree blowing in the breeze. It is your boy, the mellowed out nonprofit sector connector coming at you, not from the attic, but from an undisclosed, all right, I'll disclose it, a location. This is the PAL show. This is the Professionals and Animal Lover show. I am Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector, doing my job wearing the mask like we do when we're not in the attic. Or at least when I'm not, I don't know if you guys are in addicts or not. I'm in an attic a lot. You might know that. So I'm actually doing day number 17, 60 days of service. So I'm on location with my friends at Little Flower, way out east on Long Island. And I have the opportunity to be on location because right after this, I'm doing a day of service. So it is the Professionals and Animal Lovers Show. I am Tommy D. Shout out to my friends, Alexa and Nairikia for hosting me and let me do the show when I'm on the road. And um, I don't come with a lot of needs. I'm not needy. It's not like I, you know, I go on the road and I need like green M&Ms and shrimp cocktail and stuff like that. I just needed a, a spot to plug in my laptop and do the show. Let's get into it, though. This is the Professionals Animal Lovers Show. We're here every week, Wednesdays at 2 p.m., because we want to amplify the message that people who work with animals, who advocate on behalf of animals, that the bond between these individuals is incredibly strong. And what you ever heard that phrase, you know, you want to be the the least smart or I'll even go further, the dumbest person in the room. So you surround yourself with people who know much more than you. I don't beat up on myself too much. so I don't think I'm dumb. I just think I don't know most of what we're going to talk about on these shows and I'm learning every week. So I always try to keep us. There's this cool yin and yang between Valerie Efron and myself as far as like, Val, wait, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. So there's a lot of that, but I'm getting a little more each week. And even in just preparing with John D. Leonardo, our guest today on our call yesterday, I learned a bunch. So I usually say, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, as kind of as an like a as a shout to circus guy, the ringmaster. You know, I wore a breakfast suit and a top hat, uh, a morning suit they call it, not tails, but a morning suit on my wedding with a top hat, like a ringleader would do. But I wanted to say that, and then John's going to talk this. I know we'll talk about circuses and how some circuses have evolved and others just disappeared. And we talk about animal advocacy. We talk about feral cats. We talk about dog rescues. Um, in fact, I I, um, I think I made a comment last night about crocodiles when we, were, when we were talking with John for the show. So let's get into this. This is Pals Professionals Animal Love Show. I am Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector, my comrade, my teacher, my mentor in all things animal advocacy, my pal, Val, Valerie Heffron. What's up, Val? Hi, that is uh, one heck of an introduction. <laughs> um, I can assure you that I'm in the same boat. I continue to surround myself with people who know much more, and I learn from them all the time. In fact, it reminds me of um, there is a company called Harrow, right? It's an acronym for Help a Reporter Out. And it's just a bunch of reporters that are always looking for stories. And their their logo or their tagline is everyone is an expert in something. So I'm learning just like you do. And I might have started a few years earlier, but, you know, you're catching on at a rapid velocity. Um, so anyway, my name is Valerie Heffron. I'm thrilled to be here. This is nothing more than an idea that I had a few years ago. And because of Tommy D kind of nudging me in the right direction saying, look, you're passionate about this. You love this. You can't get enough about talking about the animals and the laws that need to change to improve animal welfare. Let's get it on a podcast. 
And let's talk about both businesses and professionals who are out there doing things to help the animals, as well as great organizations, charities, advocacy groups, rescue organizations that are really boots on the ground making real impacts. And we're going to create this overwhelmingly compassionate network because I'm banking on the fact that there's a lot of more people, a lot more people like Tommy Demisa out there who want to know this and who are going to get more and more involved. Like you get sucked in um, the more that, you know, the more that you want to know. So without any further ado, um, I wanted to introduce this gentleman who's, I consider him to be a friend. He's certainly a great leader and he has created an incredible organization that is just uh, spreading, you know, compassion and humanity and awareness all throughout Long Island. Um, and I'm, I have a feeling he's got even bigger visions coming up. So uh, I believe I met him at a circus prote- protest in Oceanside, New York, about seven years ago, something-ish like that. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm always thrilled when I show up to a protest or something and he's there. So this is my dear friend, John Leonardo of LION, which stands for Long Island Orchestrating for Nature. Hi, John. Hi, Val. Hey, Tommy. Thanks so much to both of you for having me on. Yeah, no, of course. I mean, we're thrilled to have you and quite honored, actually. And one of the things I really want to kind of jump into is the fact that, I mean, I have met tons of animal advocates. I'm sure, obviously, you do, too. And whether you're meeting them at a municipal meeting or standing shoulder to shoulder at a protest or whatever, Facebook, um, you know, you are really incredibly um, educated and qualified to speak to these issues. So can you just give us a little bit about your background? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I like to think of myself as a perpetual student. I really like what Tommy had to say um, about, you know, being the dumbest person in the room. I, I think uh, <laughs> I think there's never too much school. There's never too much we can learn. So, um, so I, yeah, so I've dedicated myself quite a bit to to learning about this issue so I can speak well at these meetings. So I have uh, my bachelor's in psychology. Um, I've always wanted to help the group that needed the most help in the world. So when I uh, before I learned about the plight for the animals, I actually worked in um, the field of people with special needs, um, a group that actually was exploited in the circus long before animals. So I have my bachelor's in psychology. Um, and then when I graduated um, with, with that degree, I went on to uh, to Canisius College, where I earned my master's degree in anthrozoology. Um, I also have my uh, wildlife, uh, my New York State wildlife rehabilitation license and my um, state NUCO license, which is um, basically your trapper's license. Um, and I'm currently in school for ornithology as well. Okay, so hold on a second. You just said something interesting. State what? Uh, state NUCO, what was NUCO, it? NUCO, NUCO license. Uh, NUCO, it's the Nuisance Wildlife Control Operator license. I don't like to refer to any wildlife as nuisance, though. I mean, we're the we're we're really the nuisance. Out there. Right, well, that's true. <laughs> that I saw, very true. you know, Val. Let me if I could jump in one second. I saw something, and I don't know who put this on Facebook, but I, I as soon as I saw it, I was like, I got to tag Valerie on this. But now, you know, I got to get John to see. But it was like, um, how was it? It was a bunch of deer in somebody's front yard and it was like the deer were saying like you're on our property like uh-huh. to the to the homeowner and i sort of got a kick out of that because you know like it you know they were there first kind of right right absolutely yeah yeah, 
So that's, that's interesting. I, I had never heard of that before, but, um, you know, I also, a lot of times when I hear trapping, I think of cat trappers because it's mm-hmm. such, I think, popular and more, um, you know, prevalent designation, if you will. But, um, you know, for anyone who might be interested in in also obtaining that type of designation, where do they go? How do they do it? It's just a state. Um, it's just a state test. Uh, you know, it's actually an open book test you can take through the DEC. Typically, it's the license that exterminators have to um, exterminate mammals and, um, uh, and birds in, uh, in New York State. But I think there, there needs to be more animal lovers that do take that test um, and do go into that program and learn how to you mean, humanely exclude animals um, from homes yeah. without killing them. Right, like a, like raccoons or possums or any anything that people call the pest control companies for the like bourbon. Absolutely, I'm, I'm seeing a lot more um, people, at least on social media, like posting pleas for help. Like you know, there's there's a possum that got in my garage or something, and uh, you know, I really don't want it to be killed. Can anybody help me? And then they'll tag they'll tag people like you. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's a good sign, but um, let's get back to Lion. Um, Let's talk about the vision and the mission of Lion. Like what is, so if I'm, if I'm, you know, uh, uh, in Baldwin, New York, where I used to live and I hear about Lion orchestrating for nature, that sounds great. What does that mean? If I want to volunteer or something, what am I actually going to be doing? Sure. Yeah. Well, Lion, we're the leading animal advocacy organization on Long Island and and also the leading um, farmed animal rescue. We rescue lots of chickens and ducks um, and other animals from from abandonment, from neglect. We bring um, injured wildlife to licensed and reputable wildlife rehabilitators for treatment and release back to the wild. And we um, we 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 treat foster and put up for adoption domestic animals like domestic ducks and chickens um speaking of baldwin we actually rescued over 100 uh over 100 domestic ducks that were abandoned in baldwin just last year a lot of people will get um little ducklings at easter and use them as photo props or put them in easter baskets and give them away as gifts um they do the same thing with chicks and bunnies unfortunately yeah. you know after the holiday we get lots of calls about them being abandoned to the wild and these animals don't survive. I mean, domestic ducks, they have tiny wings and large bodies. They were bred for the farming industry and farmers don't want their animals flying away. They want them to stay on the property. They want them to be docile. So they basically bred out all their natural instincts and, and bred disease into these animals. So they, they can't survive in the wild. So John, I want to, I want to ask you right away because, because I I see that being, I see that being a problem, but, you know, what's the solution? Can you take those baby chicks that are going to turn into chickens? Can you give them to farmers? Like what, what, where do they end up? Because obviously from, from the humane side of what you're doing here is you're not just getting rid of these animals. You're, you're finding places for them. So, so let's play that out. So somebody gives bunny and a chick to their kids because it's, because it's cute. Why else? Right. So this cute. And then they're like, we didn't really want to have a pet bunny or, or a pet chicken. Although I have plenty of friends who have pet chickens and that they get eggs from. And maybe we could talk about that, too. And uh, in fact, I think Val had chickens in the past. Right. I think you did, Val. Didn't you? No comment. Oh, no comment. We didn't have chickens. No, we didn't. Look, at, don't worry about no, it. I'm only I, kidding. It's fine. I did. I had four hens. Yes. All right. So hens. So um, 
but they, now you can explain what the difference is between a chicken and a hen, John. So we, we we're going to be here all day. We're a hen actually, and a rooster. A hen and a rooster. Uh-huh. I know, but is it, it, so a chicken is is the animal, but then a hen is the female and the rooster is the male. Correct. You got so it. The family, the family of chicken. Fair. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. Cool. All right. So let's let's let we are now. I'm literally in three stories at the same time. So I need to unwind <laughs> the sentences to get back to the original question. Welcome to. You think it's difficult, Val? Try being inside my head. Okay. Try be, you think it's being my friend. Try being mm-hmm. me. So, so what do you do? Okay. I got this little bunny, and I got this little going to be a chicken. It's a chick. Where do they go? Yeah, yeah. It's unfortunately there aren't there aren't a lot of homes. It's very difficult to to place these animals. I mean, sanctuaries are filled to the brim. Uh, our municipal restrictions and in, in the suburbs of Long Island um, prevent a lot of people from legally keeping these animals. So the so uh, I mean, I consider Lion first and foremost an animal advocacy organization. We rescue mm-hmm. hundreds of animals every year, but really we need to get to the root of the problem. We need to stop people from getting these these chicks and these bunnies and and these. Um, ducklings in the first place. I mean, animals aren't photo props. They're not gifts. These are thinking, feeling animals, just like a dog or a cat. And just like you wouldn't dump a dog or a cat on the, you know, on the street after, after a holiday, and you wouldn't, you know, gift a whole bunch of them to, to your niece or your nephew at the holidays. You shouldn't do that with any animal. Right. Yeah, a friend of mine is a teacher, and I remember remember when you were a kid and you had that those eggs that were under the red light, they were incubating and they mm-hmm, were mm-hmm. them every day. And it was super exciting as a kid when they hatched, and it was like, woo But then when you find out, like, but then what, right? No one actually ever finds out what happens to all of those babies. And I want to, uh, so we're going to, we're going to find out, Val. John's going to tell us what happens to them when we come back. Let's tease everybody. They're going to, we're going to come back. Here's, we're going to do a quick break. <laughs> But what I want to ask, um, tell us what happens to them. And then also, you know, I just wonder how do we, you know, John, I'm, we're not going to solve this in like 26 minutes with three commercial breaks like you do on a sitcom. But I want to know like your vision for how big your organization can get to make the ultimate impact and, and help these animals. So we will be back. We're teasing you. We're going to tease you guys to come back. 90 seconds. This is the professionals. And Jovi's here. Now we're not going to break. Pause on the break. Sorry, Sam Liebwitz on the other side of the glass. Hey, Jovi. Welcome to the show, Jovi. How are you, bud? He started at me. I don't know if you heard it. He was. Like, I didn't hear him say anything. Not on the show. Oh, who's that? See, oh. this show, we're off the rails now. John, who's that? <laughs> this is Saul. We rescued him on a rooster rescue recently. Didn't oh, get the rooster, but we got Saul. ourselves a cat. We got a cat out of the deal. All right, Saul or, or Saul? Saul. 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 All right. Saul and Jovi, Valerie and John and Tommy D. We'll be back in 90 seconds. Keep the animals here so we can talk to them when we get back. We'll be right back. This is Pals. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy. And I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? 
Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you interested in having a better relationship with yourself, others, and God? Greetings. I'm your host, Dr. George Andow, for the show, A Journey Through Into Awareness. On my show, we journey into the awareness that the mind of God is the true seat of our personal consciousness. We join together each Monday at 7 p.m., so tune in on Talk Radio NYC. Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. We're back, everybody unmuted. Awesome. So, all right, we were talking about what happens to the baby chicks from uh, all of those classrooms that were born basically just to, you know, showcase a very fun, I will say, a very fun and very cute uh, science experiment. I was, it was all about learning about, you know, what happens with eggs and how they turn into baby chicks. But what happens to the chicks after? Yeah, that's that's an excellent question. Um, a lot of a lot of times people don't think that far, so they'll they'll send them back with um, uh, with students. I mean, my wife she got uh, she got the class duck when she was when she was a kid, um, and they didn't know they weren't prepared, you know, for this duck. The duck was imprinted on them um, because you know he had been raised around around children he didn't really know he was a duck so they actually <laughs> sent him to um to uh a, a, a pseudo rescue they thought it was a good place for him but a couple oh. years later you know they ended up getting raided by PETA, um and it was not such a good ending um oh. i mean my my wife she comes from a great family they meant well but you know there's not many happy endings for these animals from hatching projects the uh many schools will actually send the little chicks or ducklings back to the hatchery where they got the eggs from at the end of the project but what they don't realize is these chicks either they're raised for their meat and then killed or more often they're killed as soon as they get back to the hatchery often by being ground up alive um in a machine called a macerator because they don't want to risk any contagions from the schools infecting their flock um, back at the farm. So, I mean, obviously we're not wow. teaching. Yeah, I didn't know that. Oh. yeah, a lot of people don't. A lot of people don't. Um, so obviously we're not teaching children valuable lessons this way. I think the more valuable lesson is to teach children humane education and teach them why animals don't belong in classrooms. I mean, we have uh, so many wow. virtual resources now. I mean, where where you can 
learn on a computer about hatching um, and, and without harming any animals. You can also do school trips to animal sanctuaries where they can meet these animals in, in a better setting without stressing them, without harming them. Uh, even another outcome for these animals is um, abandonment to the wild, just like I was talking about in Baldwin. Um, we saw a huge influx of birds abandoned um, last year during the pandemic because a lot of people did home hatching projects and they didn't have a plan for the birds after. So they were just abandoning chickens and sumps, ducklings and waterways. And that's why we had to rescue over 100 in Baldwin alone, just in Baldwin Harbor. Um, You know, I've seen so many of your um, posts and pictures and Newsday articles and um, it was Baldwin also where I can't remember where where was the duck that you that you were able to um, catch with the net that had um, actually someone yeah shot it with an arrow I don't know if that's the right term but somebody shot yeah. this um, waterfowl with like a crossbow. Yeah. Yeah. We rescued a, uh, a goose at Mill Pond in Wantaw. Actually, we oh, rescued him, I think, in, in Belmore. But yeah, from Mill Pond in Wantaw, one of the, the waterways over there. Um, oh, and yeah, he, he was difficult. He took about three days, three or four days for us to catch him. And um, we were just lucky, you know, that there was someone who fed the geese regularly in the backyard. And we got mm-hmm. we got a call. We had been trying to catch her for many days prior. But he, you know, um, actually, I think it was the male. So he was he was um, very injured. Him and his his partner wouldn't come up um, for food. They were just, you know, he couldn't even eat because the the arrow had actually been um, yeah. through his through his esophagus, and it was literally through the back and came out the front. Um, uh, but we were able to catch him in someone's backyard with the net gun. He, 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 uh, the, the net actually, um, a, a net gun is like a, it, it looks like a large flashlight. You push a button and it bursts a whole CO2 canister. So it shoots a big, a large net out. I was a little worried that, that, the, that cost of the position of the arrow, that the net was going to get stuck on it and wouldn't be able to reach the ground. And uh, my worries were kind of correct because while it prevented him from flying, it didn't prevent him from gliding or running. So he actually glided right down a hill. So um, I had to run in after him, and I I jumped into the into the the, the water in Mill Pond and wow. ended up swimming. We got him, um, and I, he was actually released three weeks later. So uh, volunteers for wildlife did the rehabilitation. They're another wonderful organization. So if we wanted to, if people wanted to volunteer with you and everything, is this like the kind of activity that they could expect? Like strap on some waders and get ready to jump in the water because that's sometimes what it takes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you want to get, get down and get dirty, (laughs) volunteer with lion. We're constantly, you know, know, in, in, in sumps and waterways, rescuing birds. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just funny because if I knew a guy that was currently on an initiative or campaign of doing 60 days of service for nonprofits, I would tell him to call you up and say, Hey, (laughs) wait a minute. I know a guy. So John, (laughs) we, so I said this to you last night when we were all talking, but We've uh, before you and I ever knew of each other. I knew about you, and I have this vision of me throwing on a pair of waders and getting out there and helping you. So I will do that when you not just to give me a day of service, man. Put me to work. Let's make something happen. People pay attention to what I'm doing, which you know is is good for me because I like people watch what I'm doing. But also, <laughs> it <laughs> but it's good for the organizations because it yeah. it shines a light on the work the organizations are doing. So. 
what I'm saying to you is plug me in, coach. I'm ready to play, man. Put me in the game. So I'll get the waiters. I'll do the whole thing. We'll go out and save some animals. All kidding aside, I'm, I'm all in to do that with you. What I want to understand, though, is first, you mentioned another organization just now that helped you uh, um, rescue this, this animal. Mm-hmm. Do us a favor. If somebody goes out to their yard and sees an animal that is in need, specifically waterfowl is really your, correct me if I'm wrong, but really that's mm-hmm. your wheelhouse, so to speak. But how do they get in touch with you or how do they even know? Like if I see, like if I see, you know, a couple of ducks walking down my street, well, I don't know why they'd be walking down my street, but if I see them there, who, who do I call? Is it, yeah. is it, is it a John thing? Is it a, you know, it, is it the other organization just mentioned? It's, I guess it's certainly not like animal control or correct me if I'm wrong, maybe it is animal control. So where do we go if I see a couple sure. of ducks? Yeah, yeah, it's a great question. Well, if, if you're located in, um, well, first of all, we should determine what kind of animal it is. Um, there's really, it really varies. I mean, even depends on what kind of ducks. Because, um, like I said, the the wild ducks you see outside, they're typically small. You know, we have our mallard ducks, then we have our migratory ducks, like our buffalo heads and our, our um, wood ducks. Very small varieties of ducks. Then you get into, and, and very well camouflaged ducks. Then you get into your domestic ducks. They're typically, um, like, very large, two, three, maybe four times the size of a wild duck. Um, and they have those tiny wings. They have uh, basically no camouflage. Um Often, at least, sometimes you get ones with similar to the wild coloring, but the size is is very different. But often, while uh, the domestic ducks will be, let's say, a white color, Pekin ducks are one of the most commonly abandoned ducks, and they're they're pretty much the most um, susceptible to illness, injury, um, and predation of any domestic breed. So there is no such thing as a white duck um, in the wild uh, naturally. It's just not a good color for them. They're easily spotted by predators. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, not to be confused with swans. There are obviously mute swans, they're white, trumpeter swans, they're white. But it, when you're talking about ducks, the smaller waterfowl, um, there's no such thing as a white duck in the wild. Those are Pekin mm-hmm. ducks. Those are the ones that people usually eat. So if you see one of those, you should contact lion at humanelongisland.org. Um, you could email me at john at humanelongisland.org as well um, and, and try to get that guy help. Definitely stay with him um, as long as you can, especially if he's injured um, or, or like sick, because if you leave and then call someone, he may not be there when you get back. He may right. be dead or, or missing. Um, and, and, you know, then you feel bad. Then then, you know, the animal feels very poor. Um, so it's it's always best to stay with an injured or ill animal until help arrives. We we uh, we obviously um, respond very quickly all the time. Um, I think the other uh, goose that you may have thinking in, in Baldwin, Valerie, we rescued a, a goose in Baldwin last year as well that had um, a fireworks duct taped to his uh, chest. Oh. Yes. So, yeah. That so is, we got a call about that's that. Because right, that was right behind my old house. So, so. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. Silver Lake. We were out there within 10 minutes. Um, to wow. That, that, I will uh, say this. Your response time is incredible. I remember once and I thought it was a long shot. This uh, this young lady actually Tommy, I think at the time she was working for the, the your brother's mortgage company. Um, but anyway, this young lady in Baldwin at the time stumbled upon a an injured squirrel. And she was, you know, hysterical crying and she wrapped it up in a towel. She took it inside. She's like, I don't know what to do. So she reaches out to me, which is kind of funny because this is the thing too, Tommy, you can just, 
shoot it out there and uh, people will find the right person for you. <laughs> you came to mind, John. And before I knew it, they weren't, t- he was like, give me her number. And that's how it goes. That's yeah. one of the most incredible parts of that world of animal advocates and lovers is that, you know, we may not know, we may not be the right person, but come hell or high water, we're going to find the right person who can help, you know? Yeah. 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 And, and I mean, isn't that just the power of connecting in general, but then you get deeper yeah. into this community as you're sharing with me and you have been sharing leading up to the, the launch of, of the show is these people want to help out. I don't know why I have to say this right now, but I, I feel like I'm thinking you're talking about animals and I'm thinking about squirrels. Have you guys ever seen a chipmunk? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We oh, got my God. Yeah. All over. Why are they like it's like I, I mean, they're so tiny and there's like one or two by my house and I don't get it. Yeah, but we see squirrels all the time. But holy cow, chipmunks are like, I don't know if they're nice or not, but they just look like they're nice. They look like so cute and so nice. And I don't see them a lot. So when I see them, it's a very special thing for me. Uh-huh. This is how my mind works. If I just started thinking about chipmunks. So I would, you know, like all kidding aside, though, that probably not a good house pet to have a chipmunk. That's a wild animal, right? John, you wouldn't want to well, keep correct. one. Correct. Yeah, I mean, wild animals belong in the wild, um, right. which which brings us to circuses, which I think we can talk about a little yeah. bit after the break. Let's do that. We are going to go to break. So um, why don't we do that? Why don't we just go to break, talk about circuses. John is going to school us on what circuses have done to animals over the years and how he's made a real impact into protecting these animals. I, You know, listen, we didn't even get to dive too much into this last night because I kept saying, I got a million questions for you, but let's save them for the show. But like, I want to even know like how you got like aware and keyed into that whole thing. So we will be back. I'm Tommy D. That's Valerie and Jovi. And, and that's John. And where's Saul, John? Did Saul left? Oh, Saul's here sleeping. Uh... All right. Can we can we have Saul back when we come back in a minute? Can he? Yeah. Oh, my God. Look at that. Look at that cat. Oh, my God. <laughs> Beautiful look, cat. Look at those eyes. Oh, my yeah. God. Oh, my God. Beautiful. All right. We're, we're screwing up breaks all day here on the Pal Show. But... <laughs> We'll be back in 90 seconds. Thank you, John. Thank you, Valerie. See you guys right back. Howdy. I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Are you a cannabis enthusiast, a cannabis professional, or interested in entering the cannabis space? I'm Johnny Tsunami, and this is Planet Baco Lolo, a less taboo view. On our show, we will discuss the cannabis world through the perspective of various cannabis professionals. Tune in every Thursday evening, Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m., Talk Radio NYC, Planet Baco Lolo, a less taboo view. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. 
Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. So this is Tommy D. This is the Powell Show, the Professional Design and Lover Show. We have so many guests today. We have Saul who's here and John and Jovi shows up all the time and Valerie's obviously here. Before we even jump back into, I, I want to ask about the picture we just shared on Facebook. So we got to talk about that because anytime people can dress up with silly costumes and put animal heads on is a party <laughs> I should have been invited to and I regret that I wasn't invited to. So in fact, last week, last week on my show, my the other show, uh, what do I call that show again? That's called Philanthropy and Focus. Oh, it's like on my shirt. So on that show, I had my friend Mara James, and she runs an organization um, around mental health with children. And they're, they have um, a mascot called Piggy Bear. And I'm like, dude, I need that costume. So you, it's like a giant piggy bear. Now, it's all love, John. It's just a costume. No animals will be hurt. Mm-hmm. And, all right, so I just want to set that, and and all of our listeners on this show, I promise you, it's just a costume, right? I'm not exploiting any animals, more I'm probably exploiting myself. But that's a costume I'm going to wear. I want to hear about um, about the cat that you rescued, but I want to just read one quick thing before we do that so everybody knows who's here. So Lion is a leading animal advocacy organization on Long Island, having stopped massacres of thousands of deer, hundreds of geese having stopped slaughterhouses and aquariums and wild animal acts and rodeos at venues from New York City to Greenport, Long Island. It's a direct rescue organization as well as animal advocacy that has saved hundreds of wild and farmed animals every year from slaughter. I mean, John, real quick, let's talk about the heads on those animals that we just saw on Facebook. If you're listening to the show and not listen on Facebook, you got to watch the show on Facebook because you'll see some of the shenanigans that goes on. But Tell us about that. And then I do have a question about, so again, back to the waiters and me wearing waiters one day on a day of service. Um, I knew about you one day because I called you. I, shout out to my friend, uh, Katie McGowan, founder, executive director of Horseability, because Val texted me one day and she's like, I don't know, man. Barney the Bull is like loose on Long Island and he escaped and like we need to help him. And I'm like, of course we need to help him because what was I doing? I was like trying to run businesses. So let me like, let's. <laughs> I get all that. So I call my buddy Katie and I'm like, dude, because I call everybody dude. I'm like, dude, I, I need like, I need horse ability, horses. You probably have like horse gates. Like I need them. And I finally get this guy, John DeLonardo on the phone. I'm like, dude, you don't even know me, man. But I got these horse gates for you. And he's like, he's like, brother, I'm all set. It was, I don't know. If it, it was like one of those things. So I'm ranting. I'm all over the map. But what, what how is Barney? What's up with with the heads of that you guys had on in that photo? It was like an elephant head, and and I what else was it? Was it a giraffe? I forgot already. Was it a lion? Tell me what it was. Elephant. Yeah. <laughs> it was an elephant, but it was an elephant and something else. Because I and can't a lion. See. 
It was an elephant and a lion. All right, cool. All right. I like I asked you 17 questions, John. Pick one. <laughs> sure, sure. Let's we'll start with Barney. Barney the bull. For those listeners who don't know who Barney is, <laughs> um, he was a bull that escaped an animal sacrifice during Eid um, uh, about two months ago. Uh, so he was actually on the the lamb for about two months, a little over two months actually, and and two weeks ago he finally decided to come into a baited, a baited pen, and now he's in a, a vegan animal sanctuary with over ninety other cows, um, where he'll he'll be loved and never eaten. Wow. Um, but it was it was quite the endeavor to get him. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, he 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 ran for his life just like you or I would um, if someone was trying to slaughter us. Uh, throughout this whole process, I mean, we were in the in the woods with uh, night vision goggles and tranquilizers and net guns and all that. Wow. Um, and there were a lot of people like Tommy offering us their assistance, which is much appreciated. But everyone kept asking me, how can I help? How can I help? How can I help? And what I kept telling people is, if you wanted to help, if you want to help bulls like like Barney, it's very easy. You can simply just go vegan uh, by taking animals off your plate. You save nearly 200 animals um every single year whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold, hold, not consuming hold, them. hold on johnny d hold on a second huh? so if we were to stop eating meat how many animals get saved nearly 200 one yes. person yep yep meat meat at meat dairy and eggs not just meat though if you want right, no, v- it's about 100 if you eat meat and then you add another another 100 on there by getting rid of all the other animal products wow val yeah. did you know that I feel like I've heard that stat before, but if you think about it, look, it makes sense because a typical average person, when they're going to eat a meal, it usually contains some version of protein, such as, you know, yogurt or eggs for breakfast. And then you have right. meat lunches. And in, even if you get a salad, a salad will have shrimp or chicken on it, et cetera. So it, if you're having, let's just say conservatively, two meals a day, that have some type of animal product in it. Um, and the third one is, you know, whatever cereal with almond milk or something like that. So that's two meals a day, 365 days a year. That's a lot of animals. Yeah. Wow. wow. I mean, think, think of Think of when you go to a Super Bowl party, how many little wings that you wings. eat in just one sitting. Yeah. And, and not to be funny or, or gross or anything, but like animals only, uh, you know, chicken only has so many wings. That's an awful yeah. lot of chicken when you eat, 25 30 wings or something like that you know in a sitting and when you go to i grew up in the bar business and a lot of buffalo wings in the bar man that's a lot of baby chickens that wow those reality 200 animals yeah and what people don't realize is all all the animals that we consume in our society they're all babies um not just those little chicken wings every single one of them you know we're talking about uh you know between for chickens between six and eight weeks um, when you get to the larger animals, they're only a few months. So these are all babies that are on our plate. Even And then you get into the dairy industry and the egg industry. I mean, those are some of the worst. Um, I mean, cows, cows are just like every other mammal. They only produce milk when they're pregnant and then shortly thereafter for the, for the baby and only enough for the baby. So uh, the dairy industry, we actually take the baby away from that, that mother, tear, tear him from the mother as a baby, and then uh, sell them to the veal industry so we can consume that milk. For the egg industry, we're actually, I mean, 
well, think about about when 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 you hatch a bunch of eggs, you're going to have some roosters, you're going to have some hens. Like we're talking about the difference between chickens, yeah. male yeah. male chickens are roosters, female chickens are hens. So in the egg industry, what happens to all the male roosters? They're 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 not they don't have much meat on them because we actually have bred um, certain varieties of chickens for for their meat and others for eggs. So the egg laying rooster, well, the egg laying chickens that are male, we actually ground up those babies alive or we suffocate oh, them when they're only one day old. So a lot of people don't realize that. Um, I mean, I think people are, are inherently good, um, but factory farms hide this. The industry hides these facts from people. But when we know better, we can do better. So as hard as it is to listen to these facts, I mean, if they're bothering you, I encourage everyone, you can reach out to us at humanelongisland.org and ask us how to get started. Um, and we're happy to you know, guide you in the right direction. I mean, I do most of my shopping at ShopRite, at Stop and Shop. You know, it's it's never been easier to to go vegan. So what, what do you mean you can help? So I, I think I, I think yeah. I know what you mean. Ed, Education-wise, you can help. You're saying like, if somebody's distraught by listening to this and they want an answer, you're not just saying, hey, figure it out. You're going to provide solutions. Do you do education or training or classes even on like, here's what you're going to replace. You want to get rid of the chicken? Like I, as I'm hearing you talk and you talk protein, I'm thinking quinoa is like awesome and has like a ton of like protein. It's really, it's like one of those super grains and stuff like that. So I think, look, whether people are brainwashed or whatever, you know, people say, oh, you have to eat meat. But John, you know, there's plenty of, and Forks Over Knives, I think we brought that up last week. There's a lot of movies and docs and for, perhaps you could direct us to some of that as well to, to see how there are alternatives and there's plenty was forks over knives. If you've seen it, was that the one where these athletes are like shredded and like in incredible shape and like, that's the game changers. I think which which one is it? game changers. Yeah. That's the game changers, but performance, like, like they're like awesome athletes and they don't eat meat. Right. Right. Bodybuilders, NFL players, you know, I mean, uh, I'll tell you from my experience, I mean, when I was when I went, first went vegan, I mean, I did. I was the first vegetarian I knew. I was the first vegan I knew. I just knew I didn't want to harm animals. So I didn't know what I was doing. I ate a lot of uh, salads and a lot of tofu. I mean, this was 13 years ago anyway. We don't have the options that we have nowadays. I thought, you know, I was going to get scrawny and weak and, you know, that was just going to be my sacrifice for the animals when it was actually the opposite. You know, I I um I, I actually worked uh, sanitation when I was when I was in college during summer breaks. And uh, and the first summer I was eating meat and I was working out all the time. Job was hard. Second summer, I stopped working out. I was living that college party life, but I had stopped eating meat. The job was easier. Third year, <laughs> I'm still living that party life, but I was vegan and I'm just working out after work now. I'm, I'm oh, running. Oh, the alcohol. No, <laughs> oh, no, I was still drinking alcohol. I just got rid of the dairy. <laughs> Um, and, and it did wonders for my health as well as the animals. Um, you know, I, I, to Tommy's point, I do think that um, a gr- one of a, a really positive um, support vehicles is when, like, a friend of mine just told me that, um, I mean, there's a guy I know from Long Beach. I cannot believe he went vegan. He was one of the biggest carnivores I've ever known. And um, he watched the movie The Game Changers, and he actually knew one of the people in there. So he decided to try it for 30 days and he's still saying he's never felt better. He's he's uh, so the point is that a friend of his um, came over for dinner and he made her some meatballs using mostly, I think, mushrooms or something like that. But 
being able to have the knowledge of how, like, if you have a craving and you want pizza or, or whatever, or you want a burger, that's a better example. You're craving a cheeseburger. Like when I went to Joanne Winkart's house and she had that vegan barbecue and I tried a Beyond Burger for the first time in my life, I was blown away. I could not believe that it was meatless. I still, I still can't. We have them all the time now because they're delicious. Yo, so- listen, how about shout out? I, we should get them, them on the show. We should probably get them to sponsor the show. Do you know Dr. Prager's, the Dr. Prager's burgers, man? I, I mean, I don't know if they're super healthy. I know there's no meat in them, but they're delicious. And you can go to the White Castle. Yeah, I, <laughs> you know, <laughs> listen, if, I find, if I find myself at White Castle, I'm probably not going like Beyond or Dr. Prager's. I'm, I'm just going for the belly bombers. But I don't find myself at a White Castle at this point in my life. All, all that we much. definitely have to get back, though, to the elephant head. I know yeah, we, we do. Yeah. And we got to go to a break, too, Val. Take us to yeah. a break, Valerie. And then we'll come okay, back. Okay, we'll so coming bit. back, we're going to talk about the lion head and the elephant head. But it, they get along, actually, in this uh, situation. And they're actually great friends. <laughs> hey, everybody. It's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector, coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Do you feel uninformed about menopause and how it impacts on your life? Hi, I'm Pat Duckworth, women's health strategist and host of the Hot Women Rock radio show, empowering women leaders at menopause. Join me every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. UK Time on talkradio.nyc for interviews with inspirational women who will share their top tips to rock your world. Have you ever thought of reinventing yourself? Are you looking to create a new life's journey? Hi, I'm Kevin Barbaro, host of Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 5, 8 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live to hear me and my guests from a variety of different backgrounds. As a former college coach and a current full-time actor and owner of multiple companies, my show is as eclectic as my life. That's Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 8 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. we're back we're unmuted and we're talking about well when i met john i think this was the protest when um we met and uh there are some friends i'll just do anything for so when my dear friend joanne our mutual friend joanne winkart asked me to accompany her to um an anti-circus protest in oceanside and i was living there i was like sure joanne anything for you and by the way, what's this all about? So while we were there, um, you know, it was really cool. There were people who had some costumes and um, I think we really got the message out because eventually that circus, uh, the Cold Brothers Circus, 
no longer came to town. Yeah. Yeah. Not just didn't come to town, but they actually closed up shop all around the country now. They, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, we started protesting them, um, you know, in, in our early days. That was actually after a, um, an Oceanside protest. It might have actually been that that one you're talking about, Valerie. We, yeah. we, that was when we founded Lion. Um, we, uh, wow. you know, we actually were, were and it wasn't even me that, that said, let's start a group. I was leading the protest and it went so well. We saw thousands of dollars going out of the circus's pockets that, you know, yeah. all these first time protesters said, this is amazing. You know, it's so empowering. You know, we yeah. have to do this more often. We have to do this for other issues. Um, yeah. And they said, let's start a group. And I said, okay, great. Who's in charge? And everyone looked at me. So I guess, <laughs> <You> okay. <are. laughs> I will say this, seeing yeah. you in action is truly impressive because, um, you know, you're, you're just, you're really educated and you speak to people in a wonderful way that's intelligent and evokes curiosity. And I, I really want to mention this because as an advocate and John, we've talked about this too a little bit, but you know, if you want something from people, it's not really an effective approach to try to bash them over the head with, with your desired outcome or your message and I see that a lot, unfortunately, um, you know, in this world that people and I understand the anger because it's so frustrating when, you know, animals are suffering and you're trying to help and you want everyone to see what you see. But, you know, a lot of times it's not the content, it's the delivery. And I remember that day there was a, a family approaching. They were going to take their children to go see the circus and you stopped. Can I talk to you? My name is so-and-so. Here's. And here's my background. Your background is very impressive. And they turned around. That was a, a real moment. I was like, wow. You know, and I'm just saying, though, the approach is so important. Absolutely. I think I think finding common ground with people and meeting them where they are is is very important. Um, I mean, one of the one of the people who was actually saying, hey, let's start this group. Let's you know, one of the people at the protest saying, let's start Lion. He was actually a hunter during that time. You know, when he said that oh, wow. um, I was vegan, he was a hunter. He uh, he wasn't even supposed to be at the, the protest, but I went to pick up my friend Mark. They've been playing basketball. And um, and I said, hey, what are you doing? Get in the car. He was going to leave Mark's house. <laughs> and he said, oh, no, I'm a hunter. I don't protest. And I wow. said, OK, so you're a hunter. So that means you're OK with beating elephants with bullhooks. Um, and, and he said, no, that's messed up. And I said, yeah, it's messed up. Get in the car. And he did. <laughs> nice. He came that's out every single night after, protested with us. And then he <laughs> was one of those people, one of the founding members. A few months later, he went vegetarian. A year wow. later, he went vegan. Wow. Oh, wow. And does he no longer hunt? No, yeah, he's totally vegan now. He's an animal advocate. That so, is amazing. So, that is, that, that's an incredible story, but I, I want to go back because I, I'm not going to – I have to play Johnny Naive on this show. Uh -huh. I, I don't get it. No, I don't mean I don't get it, but like you <laughs> – why – it's, circuses have been around for so many years. Like what – tell like not for me to go, oh, it's obvious that they're mistreated. Tell me, John. Hurt right. the – you bring the pain, baby. Bring the pain so people know what exactly happens. Why will not, should I not be going to a circus? Yeah, well, it's talking about elephants, um, I mean, simple, simple, the most simple thing is, I mean, wild animals belong in the wild. They don't belong, belong in boxcars. They don't belong um, doing unnatural contortions on stage. And they, um, you know, and, and, and they don't, you know, they, they need 
They need acres and acres to roam, many miles to roam. Um, just rocking back and forth in a boxcar is not a life for any animal. But if that if that neglect and that you know um, that level of of keeping them from their natural abilities wasn't bad enough, they're beaten. They're electroshocked. There's a, there's a tool called a bullhook. Really, I should call it a weapon called a bullhook. It looks like a large fireplace poker. If you've ever ever been to the circus, I'm sure you've seen it and didn't realize what it was. Anytime you ever see an elephant in the circus, you'll always see his trainer holding a a long pole. Sometimes it'll have tassels on the end to disguise it. Um, but it has has a hook and a spike on the top. And that is used to beat the elephants and and beat them into submission to make them perform. Um, you're not going to see them typically beating them on stage because who would go to the circus if if that's what you were going to witness? But that is there to remind that animal of the beatings that occurred behind the, you know, behind the scenes. Um, so obviously if you walk up to a grown elephant and you just start, you know, waving a, a weapon around, he's probably going to run away. Or if he can't run away, he's going to step on you. But they do this to them when they're babies. I mean, at, when as soon as they're born, they separate them from their mothers and they chain them on the opposite ends of the, the barn to break their spirit so they can see each other but can't touch one another. Um, and then after a few months, they they bind them in with with ropes and heavy metal chains, and they beat them with this bullhook, and often use electric prods and tasers on them as well. Um, but with that bullhook always front and center, so the elephant learns to fear that bullhook. So when they see it, they have like a post traumatic stress response, and they do whatever that trainer says. So it's the same thing that goes with with many animals. I mean, we had uh, Brook, Brookhaven Fair um, and the Northport Fair um, used to uh, have something called the Banana Derby, where they had monkeys chained by their necks to dogs running around in a circle. I mean, it's horrific. But you look in the monkey's mouth, they, the monkeys didn't even have teeth. They had pulled all their teeth teeth out to take away their natural defenses. So, I mean, simple, the, the simple message is animals belong in the wild. Wildlife belongs in the wild and we should keep wildlife wild. There is no right way to beat an elephant to submission or to cage a, a, a wide ranging tiger. What a but horrible luckily, species we can be and what a, what a horrible yeah. black heart you must have to be the actual person, you know, to, to be that trainer i can't even call them a trainer i remember seeing the movie uh water for elephants which depicted a lot of the cruelties in the circus but you know um the truth is i want more people to hear these horrific inhumane stories so that they'll be awakened and want to get involved um and i need to mention this because this is just our most recent encounter but uh i think john john and i were at a protest together a few months ago in front of the town of Hampstead. And the reason we were there is because they gave a contract um, to a company that was supposed to be in charge of um, handling the geese population within the township humanely. And unfortunately, the, that person was um, caught by a neighbor in another town um, physically abusing and trying to kill uh, the father uh, goose or duck. I'm so sorry. I forgot. A goose. And 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 the geeselings, the babies drowning them. So, you know, we all showed up to the town of Hempstead asking that they sever that contract. And I've been meaning to ask you, John, but um, do you have an update for us on that? No, I don't have an update right now. They did suspend the contract. So as far as okay. I know, it's still suspended. Um, whether it's going to be revoked or not, um, time will tell. But okay. I, as long as activists like like you and I are speaking up, 
I mean, we're going to see more and more horrible contracts being torn up. That's right. And these are the kinds of things that, I mean, there's so many different levels. There are some people that really activate, they advocate for things via email. They make phone calls. They share posts online. And then, of course, there are people like Tommy DeMisa who's about to strap on some waders and get out there and pull his sleeves <laughs> up and save some actual waterfowl. I'm but all in, man. Sign me up. Everybody just, we all can do better. We all can do more. And we can all help. So, uh, we, um, we, we so yeah, Tommy, uh, I'm so sorry. Ahead. I just, I want go. you to actually get into with John. How do we, how do we help him further? Yeah, John, really, let's do it fast. We're running out of time. So, John, how do we get into – first of all, we'll have you on my other show probably, and we'll do a video of me in the waiters, and we'll put me to work, the whole deal. So, well, <laughs> But how do they get in touch with you? How, what do you need? Quick, if you could. Yeah, the best way to help us is go to humanelongisland.org and support us uh, monetarily. Right now we're, um, we're, we're a nonprofit and we're trying to make some big moves. We have big rebranding coming ahead. We just got an, a new place in Riverhead and we're planning to expand to a much larger place within the next year. So whatever you can help, um, whether that's skills, whether that's funding, whether that's volunteering, we want to hear from you at humanelongisland.org. HumaneLongIsland.org. John DiLonardo, thank you for being a friend of the show. Thank you for being my new friend. I'm not joking. I, I'm going to come out and help you. All right. And then where, wherever, yeah. Riverhead. I mean, yesterday I rented a <laughs> van and drove a bunch of diapers around. So just let me put me in, man. I'm, re- I'm ready to do it. <laughs> thank um, you. You're welcome, man. Thank you for being here. Thank you for the work you do. You do. And and I like I say, we'll have you back. Bring the pain. Tell us. I, I, I was trying to make this more complicated than it is. But the point is, wildlife belongs in the wild period end of story we don't even need to know about the torture and stuff like that if we just left the species where they belong we wouldn't have these problems right and in the wise words of a historical figure i think it makes a lot of sense here to just close the show with this this is the professionals and animal lovers show uh greg defrancis will be on the sh- i've screwed up his name i think the franza will be on the show next week from uh camp canine jack's beach so he'll be here talking about canine breeding Shout out to Florida. But here's what here's this historical figure that talks to us about the animals. The greatness of a nation and its moral progress can be judged by the way its animals are treated. And that's Gandhi that said that. Knows a couple things about a couple things. Make it a great week. I'll see you guys later. Thanks, John. Thanks, Val. Bye, guys. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? 
I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Did you know that nearly one in five adults in the U.S. battles mental illness? Hi, my name is Albert Dabba. I'm the host of the show Extra Inning. Extra Innings, I discuss the topics of wellness, mental health, and the experience of surviving multiple suicides within my family. Listen live every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern to Extra Innings for discussions with sports figures, artists, mental health professionals, and many others. That's Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 